Hi, this is Jessalyn Etchell, and you're listening to my podcast, Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. In this series, I interview my favorite women on their topics of passion in an effort to connect us so that we remember that women supporting women is our greatest strength. I want to live in a world where women build each other up instead of tear each other down. And this podcast, in addition to the in-person women's circles I lead, are my offering towards this vision. Thanks so much for listening. I am super excited to be talking with Erin Ranazizi today. She's going to talk to us about yoga for pelvic health. And Erin has so much experience. She started out actually teaching um, in elementary and middle school. So she has a bachelor's of arts degree in sociology and a master's in cross-cultural teaching. But when she became a mom in 2006, she sort of shifted her career and she started her business, Erin's Family Yoga. She could combine her love of Ashtanga yoga with her journey to motherhood and also her diverse classroom experience. So she teaches yoga to adults, children, families, and playgroups, and she's always adapting to her clients' needs and looking like she's having lots of fun from the pictures I see of her kids' (laughs) yoga and the classes I've taken of hers are wonderful. Her training is extensive. She's got a 200-hour yoga certification in Ashtanga Vinyasa, a 100-hour... Um, pre- and postnatal training, and 100 hours of yin yoga and reiki training. And she's also certified in yoga for pelvic health, which is what we are going to talk about today. This is a new passion of Erin's that you're going to learn all about, and such an important thing for anyone who has a female pelvis. So welcome, Erin. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. So let's let's just settle in for a minute, uh, you and I, and then anyone else listening can... Close your eyes if you like and take a couple deep breaths. So an inhale through the nose and then exhale out the mouth. A couple more like that. May each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. And may each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Erin, what is your favorite thing about being a woman? Oh, I forgot you were going to ask me that question. (laughs) Even though I listen to your podcast all the time. you know, I, and I've heard a lot of other women say this, I, we're so strong and I think has, you know, gender roles were not always considered the stronger gender and, uh, the older I get and the more experience I have, I just know that I'm quick thinking and women are quick thinking. We are problem solvers. Um, and we just have such an inner strength that, um, I'm grateful for, you know, so think that's what makes life good as a woman. Wonderful. So this is such a good topic for us to have today, a good conversation rather on this topic. 
Um, I'm curious for you to tell me uh, the part of your bio that I actually didn't read, and I didn't even know that you um, had an injury from a car accident. Yes. So tell a major me, one. <laughs> yeah, tell me about your path to pelvic health. I don't even know if the accident think, is involved, yeah, but <laughs> everything. You know, it is. I was thinking of how everything is sort of circular, and I was yeah. trying to like focus how I wanted to address these topics and, and approach it. But in my experience with yoga and then eventually my new passion for um, public health and core synergicity, it all started um, kind of a backwards journey. I um, had finished my teaching credential and my master's and I was interviewing for jobs in San Diego and I was on my way to visit my parents in the Central Valley and ended up in a rollover car accident, um, single vehicle about 40 miles from my family's house. Wow. So and you were alone. You were by yourself. I was time. alone. Yeah. I have zero recollection of what happened, mm -hmm. um, which I did a lot of um, cranial sacral and um, a lot of meditation afterwards because I felt that it was really important for me at that time to know what happened. And, and now I'm kind of grateful that that's kind of not in my mind. I have a lot of sound memories and, mm -hmm. and voices and stuff that kind of surround it. But I really lost control of my car for no reason and flipped over. It was pretty gnarly. Um, I was airlifted like jaws of life. A woman stopped and I guess I had the sense to tell her, ask her to call my mom and dad, mm. which now as a parent, I just can't even imagine what that was like for them. Yeah. Um, and I was grateful that uh, at that point, everything from that point on was the best it could possibly be. I fractured my uh, first vertical vertebrae, my second and my fourth and fifth, and then had a pretty bad subluxation um, between my sixth and seventh vertebrae. But everything was very linear and balanced and was, I guess, the right size of a break that it could possibly be. Um, I was in a, a brace for quite a while. I didn't have to luckily have surgery, but I went through a substantial amount of physical therapy, like just substantial. And ironically, at that point, I was pretty maxed out on my education. <laughs> I <laughs> spent, you know, four years um, for undergrad. I'd gone back to school to get my teaching credential. And if I had life to do all over again, I wish that I had spent more time in the sciences and even in physical therapy. And I think that, you know, as I've grown to love yoga, I always want it to be a bit more therapeutic. Um, I'm not a very, I, I'm not someone who reads quotes or gets super Zen in my yoga classes. Everything is very <laughs> alignment based, you know, I mean, I, I like it lighthearted, but I'm just very like alignment based and I want everyone to physically feel good and really use the breath. And, and that's my sort of, uh, way uh, to not become a physical therapy, but really want to. <laughs> so, um, and gosh, you would not, I mean, your practice is so beautiful. I, I would it, never have known that. I don't know how it, I didn't know this about you, that you had yeah, serious crazy. recovery. I went through a lot. I went, uh, at first I lived in a lot of fear. Like I didn't really want anyone touching me. Like mm. I didn't want to, and not touching, I mean, that's a weird way, but like I used to put my neck brace on even when I didn't need it because if I was going to be in a crowd or a group of people, cause I just wanted them to know that I was sort of fragile. I didn't want anyone to bump into me. Mm. I just, I, I mean, it was really even just driving long distances. I was pretty, you know, nervous about, and I, and I was, I, I was, 
pretty adventurous at that time and, and sort of fearless. And it's kind of funny how that shifted a lot of, you know, my mindset. Um, I, I definitely was very scared after that. And, um, I had taken my first yoga class at the university of San Diego, my senior year. And I, that was probably hands down the most expensive yoga class I've ever taken. <laughs> I had like a half semester at USD for a PE credit. I wish I could calculate how that was, but I took it with a couple of friends and we really, we really liked it, but we liked it because we would literally fall asleep in Shavasana and then probably leave after and go drink beer and be deviants, you know? And it was, but that was like, it was so nice. Like I, you know, I still remember my roommate snoring in Shavasana and, um, having to wake her up. But, um, I ended up, um, when I was trying to find something to do physically after my accident, um, you know, I walked and, and I would do things, but just like the gym life and things that I used to do to, never really felt very good to me. And my, I, I would take Italian classes and my Italian teacher was opening a yoga studio. And if anyone is in San Diego and knows Roberta Albert, she's now Roberta Riddle. Um, she was the original owner of Bird Rock Yoga with Morel Hadidi. And that's who I met and started practicing with. And, you know, it was just sort of funny because I went and, and I was like, Oh, I can do this. Like I took this in college and it was a vinyasa class and then eventually a shanga, and I loved it. I loved it. And I felt safe and I could move and I could be, uh, you know, I was always kind of flexible. So I was like, Oh, I like this yoga, you know? And then I figured out, Oh, this breathing is so good for me. And, and then it also, because I'm slightly type A and a control freak, I started to love Ashtanga yoga, which is, <laughs> which, which we is might so talk funny. about being bad yeah. or good to pelvic health, you know, I'm having sort of like, <laughs> Preview. I can't quite break out, break up with Ashtanga yet, but there are some things, you know, that, that have a little concern in that, but, um, you know, I just loved it. And then I, I, um, I had my, uh, oldest son and was trying to find a way to not work full time. And so I started working with kids and teaching kids yoga. And eventually I got my certification in regular yoga. So that's where I am. That's what like all that stuff really impacted me. So yeah, breaking my neck. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love I'm when lucky, people but I move. Yeah. When people come to yoga through recovery, that's a kind of a common story, but a really mm -hmm. beautiful one because it might grab people that normally wouldn't have an opportunity to be or wouldn't think to go into yoga. Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about the pelvic health part and, and how that's becoming important. So I am the mom of three children and... I uh, recently took a course with Shannon Crow. She's Canadian. And I was so late to the game on my realization of how important pelvic health and what I would like to refer to as the core four are. Um, it's basically relating our diaphragm, our pelvic floor, our transverse abdominus muscles, which is the corset of our abdominal wall mm -hmm. and our multifidus, which is, uh, the set of muscles that run along the spine and how that just impacts so much of how we feel and how we move. And, um, I have not always had the best pelvic health. Um, my oldest son was 
severe, he was very early. It was a very high risk pregnancy and I went through a pretty gnarly induction. And at the time I was so happy that he was okay. And I invested so much time and energy on him. Um, and I just sort of never looked back at how that, how that impacted my um, urinary health, my pelvic floor health. I had quite a bit of scar tissue and whatnot. And um, I eventually went in to ask, I was leaking urine, which is like, we all kind of accept it here in the United States. We have kind of such, I'm sure other people have spoken with you, Jocelyn. I know you're not new to like our backwards healthcare system mm-hmm. here, yeah. but I think that it's, we treat that as like, oh, it's cool. It, it happens. You've had kids, um, you know, we have, and, and no one really does anything about it. And I um, was having a lot of false bladder infections where I was having quite a bit of pelvic pain and um, my regular doctor sent me to a urologist and he, there was, you know, no exam. There was nothing. It was kind of like monitor how often you pee and what's coming out and this. And, and, and his treatment for it was this topical antihistamine that Mm. was inserted into my um, urethra via a catheter. Oh my. And it was awful. It was like I did it once and I was like, I came home and had to sit with an ice pack on myself on the toilet and was in tears and I'm pretty tough. So like <laughs> I broke my neck. <laughs> so yeah. for me to have it, so for, for me to have like experienced that and so it, it basically shut off my like, okay, that's cool. I don't I don't want this treatment. I'm just gonna live with this. It'll be fine. Mm. And I began reading I read this article about how women in France after they have children are given, I'm, I want to say, eight to 12 visits um, with a pelvic floor physical therapist who helps wow. them get their pelvis back in shape. And my initial response was, oh, it's the pelvis. It's all about sex. Like, of course, though, the French, they all want their women to be ready for <laughs> sex, right? And then my, like, pee on mind realized that, no, it's not about that. Like, so, like, our balance, our continence, if people have any sort of prolapse, um, uh, any, any like bowel movements, all of these things are greatly related um, to it. And I read the statistic one time that one of the number one reasons older people are institutionalized, and I don't know if that's the right word to say, um, but are in in assistant living um, as they get older is because of incontinence. Mm. And I'm like, wow, is there a way to actually fix this? Is there a way that we can do this holistically, um, without having catheters inserted into us or without wearing diapers, you know? And then, you know, the other thing was how many people are older and fall. And you think about, you know, everyone knows like a grandmother who's broken a hip or hurt a knee or all this. And it's like our public floor is um, so much in charge of our balance. And I I have a lot of students who are older. I hate saying older. I'm going to say they're experienced bodies. They, um, and I, and, and I'm like kind of looking around the room and some are moms and, and some are not. And I, and I'm just thinking about them and I'm so grateful that they're practicing yoga in their late sixties and seventies and, and doing this because it really, I mean, it's just impacting them in, in such a positive way. And so, um, 
that all happened along as I did um, Shannon's training. And then I finally was motivated to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, which I don't know if you know that that occupation exists. I do. I've seen an article on it. (laughs) And like, this is me who just started this whole conversation about how if I could do my life over again, I would be a physical therapist. And there are people who've taken additional training um, in pelvic floor health. And it's, it's, it's really cool because it's, you're there and it's not medical. And there is, there is a lot of examinations. And, um, I started seeing a woman, um, named Jody during the summer and she's kind of changed my life. So between doing this training with Shannon and then meeting Jody, I'm like, wow, so many things are better for me. Like, and, and I'm not having crazy meds. I'm not having this. I'm just doing these natural ways of exercising or, uh, you know, exercises basically for the pelvis. Mm -hmm. And as I'm learning all this, the two number one things to start with are, well, movement I'm already talking about, but the breath and what Mm -hmm. is more important, but breathing in yoga. So it just, it's, like I said, this was all kind of a big circle and cycle and I'm trying to keep things fluid and not overlap, but it's just been this big eye opener for me. And, you know, I think we tend to teach things that we have found beneficial to ourselves, um, you know, want to share that. And so I'm starting to see people privately and working. Uh, I have some workshops coming up and I'm just loving it. I'm, I just, I'm loving it. So that's where I'm at. It's awesome. Well, it's clearly needed. And like you said, not something that people are talking about much. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a friend who um, is a midwife and it's like, I can't think of anything, any occupation that's more holistic and women centered than a midwife. And, and it was kind of cool. Cause I started asking her about, you know, what do you think about this? Do you think it's okay if I teach yoga and do this and, and sort of incorporate this? Are people going to take me seriously? Cause I don't have a medical background. And, and I love her because she said, you know, we, we look to people who are in the holistic fields for this. Like sometimes body workers, tend to know more or are doing more than medical professionals. So it sort of gave me the motivation to go about it. Wonderful. Well, I want to hear a little bit more if you could give us like the newbie version of this core four concept and, and what that all means. Yes. So ideally our diaphragm and our pelvic floor move together. So if you think about your diaphragm, you know, uh, sort of centered up, up by your ribs and our pelvic floor. Um, when we breathe, they will lower down. And when we, when we breathe in, they lower down. And when we breathe out, they lift up and to complement them, the transverse indominus usually, I don't want to use engage cause that sounds a little bit more intense, but they, they're like the secondary function and they, and they assist in this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, our bodies and you think about where your core is, or, you know, like I just said, the diaphragm to the pelvic floor. And then you think about how much your pelvic floor even expands, because that's going to be from your sitting bones from your, and then from your pubic bone and, um, your tailbone connecting. It's basically our body. We have our limbs and we have our head, right? So to keep those in alignment and moving together and working together is only going to be more optimal again, like I said, for balance. And then a lot of these other dysfunctions that come about. 
So I'm curious, like, so how do we know? You're, you're talking about the the that the, the, they should all move together, and you use some word yes. synergy, right? Is that yes. what the that's? Yes. So they should all move together. How do we know if they are? Let's do a breath together. That's okay. a, I'm glad that you asked that because I wanted to do sort of a pelvic floor type breath. Okay. So because we know we're, we're, we, we need to do a little manual check in with our body. So before you sit down, I really want everyone who's listening and you, Jocelyn, to find your sitting bones okay, and make sitting sure that standing you're standing while we're sitting, 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 okay. sitting. Yeah. Okay. We're going to sit. Okay. And make sure that you're on your sitting bones and that you're not tilting forward. That's lifting your glutes up and you're not leaning back that's sort of rounding back and so for anyone who does yoga we are pretty familiar with cows and cats so if we were to tilt forward from our sitting bones we're in that cat or the cow back I'm sorry and then if we were to lean back Mm -hmm. we're in our cow back so we want it to be real neutral so we find our sitting bones and our spine tall and just relax your hands on your knees. Let your feet be about hip width distance apart, forward facing with the toes. And everyone take a big inhale in. And when you inhale, I want you to let your chest and your belly expand. And then exhale all your air out. And we're just going to start with that. Now I want you to bring your lips together like you're going to make a, like a, a snake sound. And again, let your chest and rib cage expand along with your belly. Everything's going to build up there. Inhaling in. And then exhale it obnoxious like a snake. And then try that a couple more times and see if as you exhale with that sound, you sort of feel a very, very subtle lift of the pelvic floor. Not a Kegel, not not Mulabanda. We're not trying to draw in. We just want to feel it naturally there. Just on the exhale? Just on the exhale, because when we're breathing in, our pelvic floor should soften and release. And then when we're breathing out, it should lift up. And again, it's not a lift up where it's an engage. It's there to hold our organs in. I mean, this is basically all of our major organs are resting in our core. And the inhale in is making space for everything. Our diaphragm moves so that the lungs can fill up. And it's not just our lungs, but like our stomach is there. You know, all of our digestive tracts are there. So we really need to have space for that because if we're um, drawing everything in too tightly, it's going to put pressure on our pelvic floor, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you think of sort of like a tube of toothpaste and uh, like I have three kids who don't know how to use toothpaste tubes. Like I don't know how you and your husband are. <laughs> but like we have separate squeeze. ones, actually. Yeah, exactly. See, you're smart. <laughs> they squeeze from the middle. Right. And so if you think of something squeezing from the middle, the toothpaste is going to like bust out the bottom or it's going to bust out the top. And so mm. we're basically making space with our breath and then sort of feeling that little bit of a ceiling off. And again, mm. we're not pressing it. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the first little indication. And, and the first thing that you know, if I were working one-on-one or even leading a class, we would do, we would do these pelvic floor breaths. Hmm. Um, the other thing that's important to know is that there are, I want to go just a little bit into our abdominals. So one of the common injuries that happen after pregnant pregnancy is something called diastasis recti. Oh yeah. Um, our diet. Yeah. So that's actually 
um, a pelvic floor physical therapist can help you with diastasis recti. So if you think about your belly um, expanding to make space for the baby, our recti muscles, our, our kind of six-packs abs, are going to separate out a little bit. And there's connective tissue between that, um, the linea alba, and that's going to thin out. It's supposed to do that. It's like, it's, that's how our bodies work. It's just the same as when you're going to birth a baby, the, the muscles and the tissues and, and, um, you know, the fascia, everything thins out in the vaginal walls. So, you know, it needs to happen, but what needs to also happen is that after the birth of the baby, everything sort of seals back up. I don't know if that's the right way I want to say it, but everything strengthens back up and mm -hmm. tones back up. And so a lot of women are finding that their connective tissue is not sealing back up with their, with their, um, you know, diastasis. So kind of that same principle of thinking about the toothpaste tube is that, um, women are approaching that as, Oh, I have some loose skin. Uh, I need to get back into my jeans. I just had this baby and they're doing, um, activities like, you know, boot camps and lots of core, you know, sit-ups and crunches and all of that, uh, those things, which are kind of cool. Like I'm not, I'm not dissing those, but they're not for everybody who isn't healed in their abdominals or their pelvic floor. So, you know, it's important to have a little bit of awareness and nurture your body to see again, if everything is working in synergy and to make sure, you know, if you are post baby that you have this connective tissue has healed the way it needs to. And if it hasn't, you definitely need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist or work, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Actually, I'm not going to say work one-on-one. -on -one. You need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist first and then go from there. Yeah. So, and, and I, and I think that that's not happening. Um, a lot of women see their doctor or midwife like six weeks after they had their baby. And a lot of them don't even check. Or if they do, a lot of them still have separation that may not, you know, seal up the way that it needs to. So that's one of the things that's important to understand about the core. And then another thing I, I wanted to address with our pelvis or our pelvic floor is that you can have a hypertonic pelvic floor, which is really tight. Or you can have a hypotonic pelvic floor, which is really loose. Um, and I love, I'm recently doing this um, online training with Leslie Howard. And she's amazing. She's kind of like the pelvic floor guru. I and have her book in front you know, of me. Yeah, I just got I know, it yesterday. You know, and, I, and I like, it just lets me to speak to it. I, I like have all these things that she says. And it's, and, I, and I'm like, I, I'm just going to quote her. I'm not going to like, she... I love her because she says that the word tight has sort of been hijacked in our, um, when it comes to pelvic floor. So we all think, oh yeah, we want to be tight in our pelvic floor. And mm. like, I just had a baby and I want my tight abs and all that. And it's actually the wrong way to think. We need to think about it as being toned because if you're really tight, your pelvis is not moving in a flexible way. And, you know, you're probably going to have some, you know, constipation issues. Um, you know, it might be harder if you do birth a baby, you might even, it might even lead to like issues with menstruation, all those things where we think about, you know, release and things coming out. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a couple ways, um, to look at and, and why all of this comes up. Okay. So talk about the hypo versus the hypertonic. Are there different, I mean, I imagine that you're going to address them very differently, right? You would absolutely address them very differently and you need to address people with a tight 
pelvis first. Um, and so that's the idea of restorative yoga and ah. yin yoga where it comes into play. Oh, wonderful. And, and I will also say that not everybody is one or the other. There's a mix. And I'm mm. someone who had like experienced that, you know, um, uh, because I was having a lot of urinary incontinence, uh, my pelvic floor physical therapist was able to tell me that I really had issues with my pelvic floor around my urethra. Like it was really hard for me to engage that area of the body. And so, so you weren't tight I enough did have there. Some, yeah. So I did have some tightness around, you know, um, my, my hips and my glutes and my abdominals, especially, which is, you know, again, goes to that. And I'm right there with everyone like, Oh, I want to fit back in my jeans and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to do some hardcore Pilates classes and it's probably not the best approach that I took, you know, having after having my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but so again, you know, not everybody is, is one or the other. There are people who are a mix. So a lot of times if you tend to be tight or hypertonic, you have a lot of urgency to pee and a lot of frequency. You might have pelvic pain. You could have pain while you're sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, Interstitial cystitis is, is a really common one. Um, problems with painful intercourse. Mm-hmm. And then if you're someone who is low tone, the hypotonic, you're going to be someone who is stress incontinent. And that's someone that's, those are the people who can't do jumping jacks and leak a little pee and run and leak a little pee. Um, you might have something called organ prolapse, which, um, a lot of times because the pelvic floor can't support the organs, um, you know, your bladder might slip a little bit out, which, and come through the vagina even, or even, um, uh, which is, which is, I, I find it to be super frightening. Um, I, I think yeah, it is heard something of people that getting can be like, like yeah. a hammock or mesh or something yeah, in there. You mm-hmm. absolutely can. And that is sort of the secondary, um, solution. That's the medical I, professionals. I, yes, that's the medical professional. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because yep. I've been wanting to ask a friend of mine because she had to have a surgery after she'd had her second child. And I don't think she went through any of these stages of seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. I think it's that sort of American way of like, okay, you know what? We're going to fix you. Like, let's go into surgery. And that has to be an intense surgery. I mean, I, I and I've also read that it doesn't always hold, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that you may end up having to, um, repeat. So, wow. um, yeah, just kind of frightening. Um, so what yeah. I'm hearing is that if, you are someone who has pelvic floor issues. If what Erin is saying is speaking to you, the first step would be to reach out to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Yes, Because absolutely. it sounds like they're not alone, that there are solutions beyond what the medical uh, professionals are telling people to do. The surgery, your awful experience with the antibiotics in your... Yes. Like, in your I know, cervix. it's crazy, I mean, right? that's, Yeah, sounds horrible. And- And like, also, I just want to say that the funniest part was I didn't even see my doctor to get a referral for the pelvic floor physical therapist. I left a message through the nurse and was like, you know, I've had three kids. I'm leaking a little pee. I've heard about this thing called this, this occupation of a pelvic floor physical therapist. Can I get a referral? 
No one even called me back, Jessalyn. I had a referral like within a day. Wow. And I'm like, wow, it's so crazy to think because this isn't the same doctor who had sent me initially. I, you know, I've switched doctors since I've had my son and it isn't the same one who sent me to the urologist, but she has all my medical records and things. And I'm like, it's so crazy that it was that simple. And, you know, insurance wise, it's working the same way as if I had a shoulder injury or a neck injury or a knee injury. I'm paying my regular copay for to see PT. And it's just so I'm just shocked. And I, I really hope that people who do experience these problems make an effort to at least go once or twice and just get, you know, evaluated and, and go from there. Yeah, it really doesn't seem like it would it would do any harm. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to lose? So I would love for you to address a little bit further the role that yoga is playing in all of this. I heard you talk about restorative and yin yoga and the breath as being super important. What else can you say about the yoga piece of this puzzle? Well, um, yoga is a lot about movement um, Mm -hmm. and alignment. And I think that if we take into consideration making sure people are moving their hips and pelvis in a certain way. There are like some really great poses that you wouldn't normally do. Like a malasana squat pose is a really good pose. Even if you are hypertonic or hypotonic, the only, I wouldn't do that with someone with a a prolapse. Like we said, that's that's definitely the only time it's contradictory. Okay. But I don't know that you would ever do a traditional yoga malasana frog squat or whatever you call it in a regular gym class. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like something like that. Um, In most exercise classes, like we said, we aren't going to talk about the breath. We also, like I said, we're normalizing the, the, the talk about it. You know, we're normalizing the idea that, you know, your pelvic floor takes up a huge portion of your body. Your core floor is a huge portion of your body and just working to get those in synergy. There's also um, a lot here for yoga trainers of the things not to do. Mm. Um, And I always find that I always hated being pregnant and being in a yoga class where people would tell you, don't do this, don't do that, rather than offer you something to do. So I, I, but I've also sat in a couple classes where you know, I see people who are just a few weeks out after having a baby and doing a pose like crow pose, which is a super fun pose. But if you think about how your spine is tilted mm-hmm. and how your pelvis is there and how much abdominal pressure you need to use there, or at the same time, cueing someone to do a navasana, a boat pose, which is, again, a great pose. But, you know, you just need to know who is there and what your clients are working with. And so in this situation, it's almost easier to say what you need to be cautious of versus... Cautious, yes. Yeah. I like saying what you should be cautious of. So yeah. I think that yoga can come in into that, just the knowledge of the body mm-hmm. and the knowledge of how everything is interconnected. Right. Um, you know, I want to just readdress how important the relaxation is in yoga mm-hmm. and, and, and just a restorative pose or approaching a yin pose. Yeah. Um, I think we are our society, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, guilty of this, is that we, a lot of people use yoga as their form of fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it is, it is for me too. Like I, I love it. It's kind of like, I like to sweat when I do yoga, mm-hmm. 
but it, we need to make sure that everyone is getting that yin and um, that restoration because, like we said, you need to address tightness in the pelvic floor first. And so I think that that is something that's really crucial. And I know that I've been trying so hard in my <laughs> classes to add like that Bodhikanasana pose or Supta Bodhikanasana, that open butterfly pose with blocks and stuff that really just opens up the pelvic floor and releases, you know, the hips and you taking those big belly breaths and stuff to, to let everything release and relax. Yeah, and I've watched over the course of time that I've known you of you embracing the restorative and the slower pace. Yeah. And I know it's not yeah, easy for, for sure. you. It doesn't come naturally. For sure, for sure. You want to do the hardcore. <laughs> yeah, and I think yoga, I mean, like, scientifically, yoga balances our nervous system, right? We, right. we know that. Like, mm -hmm. it's there's science behind how breathing impacts our brain. And I think that if someone is coming to a class and, you know, they're experiencing these uncomfortable experience, you know, like leaking pee or like constant constipation or pain mm -hmm. when they're having sex or all these things that like, that's got to make you feel pretty crappy, you know? Right. I mean, like, you're not going to feel real confident in yourself or you might feel anxious or you might, you know, those things really do kind of get into your head. So I think that yoga can also offer that, that balance of the nervous system and, and, you know, the mind. Yeah. I love that you brought in that piece because that is true. We forget that yoga is so well-rounded that it offers so much more than just moving, just the movement piece. Um, so I want to circle back around to those those things that we're not supposed to do. And I know yes. this is a sensitive topic as an Ashtangi, <laughs> but let's just talk a little bit about the concept of Mula Bandha and also Kegels and um, what we're now learning about the role that they might be playing in pelvic health or okay. un unhealth. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. So... Let's start with Kegel. So okay. Kegels were basically in the 30s or the 40s, Dr. Kegel began um, encouraging women after they've had birth to engage the pelvic floor and mm -hmm. lift up. And it was kind of like his way of suggesting women do compensate for having a low tone in their pelvis after mm -hmm. their, their birth. Yeah. Um, the cues are usually try to stop the flow of urine, um, which... You know, there, <laughs> a lot of people now say Kegels are terrible to stop the flow of urine and that they're only good to help with sex. Mm. I just had this personal experience um, with my pelvic floor physical therapist where all these years of trying to do Kegel and Mulabenda, which I'll get to, I wasn't having trouble with the front part of my pelvic floor and was unable to stop the flow of pee often, not all the time. I don't want people to think I'm wetting my pants all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But enough where it was not normal. Sure. Um, and, and so I, what, what's happened is Kegels are not bad. Kegels are not for everybody. Ah. Um, if you have someone who has a very tight pelvic floor, you should not be Kegeling. And if you have someone who has a low tone in your pelvic floor, there is probably no problem with you doing Kegels. You just need to make sure that you're actually lifting up through the deepest layer of your pelvic floor. We have multiple layers there. There's a lot of connective tissue. Um, like we, I, you know, I kind of 
briefly said, you know, it's basically connecting your pelvic floor to your tailbone and, and, and across through the sits bone. So you want to get the center in the perineum and draw up from that area. And, you know, if people aren't doing them correctly, then there's no point in doing them. Okay. So, yeah. and, and studies say that most people aren't doing them correctly. So again, you know, and it's not the only way to get your body back in, get your body back. I hate that. I just sounded like a commercial for like a boot camp, but <laughs> it's, it's not the only way to optimize. That women need to be optimizing. Yes. Their pelvic floor. And, and it, it kind of got overdiagnosed. Um, mm-hmm. So then, um, of course it was a man, is, right? Of course it was a man. And, and you know what? It's funny that you say that, Jessalyn, because one of the things I was like, should say is that this is not just a woman's issue. Like mm. p- men need to have good pelvic floor health too, especially when we've had, there's so many rates of prostate cancers and, and getting prostates removed. And, and so it's like, I don't want to diss that, but I, I feel like, um, I want to keep this for women. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Well, that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, like, so. <laughs> Mulabanda and Uddiyanabanda as well, which is the belly lock. Mm-hmm. Um, from my understanding is that the direction of drawing up and in through the perineum and to engage and lift up through the belly lock started hundreds of years ago with men mm-hmm. who were using that with pranayama, with breath work. And their lifestyles were so much different than we are now. I I think that probably that was the only time of day they sat, you know, really. I mean, like it was just, if you just think about how societies have changed and, and, you know, we're a very sudden sedentary life. We very sedentary lifestyles. We're driving, we're, we're this, we're that, you know, all those things. And then, um, at some point it was brought into Ashtanga yoga and, um, I, using those cues on movement. So there's a big thing where you inhale, you fill up, you exhale, you engage Mulabanda. Mm-hmm. I have heard that Patabi Choice said to do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whoa. <laughs> I was not taught that. <laughs> you should never do Mulabanda or Udiyanabanda 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> Please yeah. don't. Um, I feel okay still practicing with Mulabanda and Uriyanabanda, my practice, because one of the things I've worked with my pelvic floor physical therapist with is on movement and engaging the pelvic floor while I move. Mm. So I kind of am like, oh, yay, you know, I can apply that. I get a pass. <laughs> what I will say is that having seen her, my abdominals were so tight and not tight in the like, six pack bikini way. They were so engaged. And I know a lot of that was from Mulabanda and Uriyanabanda and how I approached the breath. So it, again, it's not for everybody and you need to know your body. I know Leslie Howard, who we just talked about, is not really into Mulabanda and Uriyanabanda. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I'm having a little bit of a hard time breaking up with it. <laughs> <laughs> But like I said, because I've had a lot of work, um, you know, not a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of work. I'm kind of okay with where I'm at in my practice. Well, and that's your body because you've increased awareness around your movement, around what's going on in your own anatomy. And so it seems like you, you should be able to have the choice 
on on what movement is going to work for you because you've put and in it, the work. And it also goes back to what I said, where we have a very tight <laughs> society. Uh-huh. We we a lot of people who go to yoga are uh, you know needing that release, and a lot of people who do Ashtanga yoga are a little uptight and type A. I'm one of them. <laughs> so, so you can, can you can poke fun a little bit. <laughs> so we need to make sure that we are giving mm. ourselves that relaxation and yeah. that resting and those moments of yin and not treating it, you know, so intensely and always treating the tightness first. You know, Mulavana and Udiyanabanda are used to do really cool, fun jumps and lifts up and, and you know, the, the, the lift yourself up and, and handstands and things like that. And I'm 41 years old and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to <laughs> move like I once did. And, and um, you know, so I kind of apply it, especially when I am trying to practice my handstands and, and things like that and, and sort of lighten it up a little bit when I'm just moving through my warriors and my trikonasanas and all that. So, you know, take everything for what it is. So you found a a balance, which, hey, isn't that what yoga is all about? Yeah, I'm finding a balance. Did I answer that? I hope no one hears this and comes back and rips on me. But really, you shouldn't do Mulavanda 24-7. It doesn't. Yeah, that seems extreme. Yeah, it's super extreme. (laughs) So... Well, I'm so grateful that you're diving into this topic because obviously it's not getting talked about enough. I'm learning and I can't wait to read Leslie's book. Um, Yay! And hopefully take some classes and workshops from you. I will link all of the stuff to get involved if someone's in San Diego and wants to reach out to Erin. Awesome. She's awesome. I'm curious oh, thank you. if there's anything else that we didn't cover or anything that you just want to say in closing. Mm, I think I covered it. I think we're good. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm very grateful for you speaking up and especially, you know, sharing your own story. There's so much power in that. Um, And and that is true. We we end up teaching what we need for ourselves. And it's a gift that we can go on that journey and then also turn around and become leaders in that particular topic. Yes. I am curious if you have a favorite yoga pose after all that discussion. Um, I do. I love backbending. Urdhva Dhanurasana. This is my favorite. <laughs> nice. It is. I love it. And then uh, what's one book that changed your life? I'm going to have to say Jane Eyre. Um, oh, I by love Charlotte Bronte. that. I love that book too. It's funny because I was like, be smart. Think of a smart book that changed your life. Like, think of one of those nonfiction books that changed your life. But I um, took a British lit class, 19th century British lit class, my last year of college. And I like ate those books up for breakfast and Mm. I ran off and became a nanny after I read that book because I was like, no way I'm going to meet my Mr. (laughs) Rochester and like, like such this weird, like, yeah, I think that was like a thing I did. I took off and went to Italy and nannied like the year after college. And I think it's because I read Jane Eyre. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I love that it inspired adventurous travel in you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, and then do you have a favorite quote? I do. It's it's more of a proverb. Is that okay? Oh, Can perfect. I read that? Oh, yeah. That's it's totally one of my cool. favorites. Lao Tse. It's from 6th century Chinese philosopher. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. 
If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. And I love that. It's always my favorite. I love it too. (laughs) So Erin might not read you a quote in yoga class, but you got it right here, right now. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Maybe I'll bring that into class. I should do that next time. Oh, that's so needed right now. And that's really, I mean, that's the work is to start. I mean, you're, you're what you're talking about and taking time and, and doing the yin and the restorative is self-care is, is just being really sweet to yourself and, and taking time to cultivate a little bit of love and, and extra peace for yourself. So that's it. Yay. Thank you so much. I love you. You're I'm so happy so to have welcome. you. Thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. We'll link everything um, so that people can find you. Because like you said, you have some workshops coming up. And I want people to have access to your wisdom. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. Bye-bye. Bye.